Just sit in the coffee shop or at a local restaurant and listen in to other people's conversations. It won't take long before you hear how much someone loves their drink or loves how good their dinner is. We love a lot of things. We love movies, we love experiences, we love people, we even love being loved. But what does it really mean? Is our love in the right place? Do we even know what love really is? Let's take a deep dive into what God has to say about love. Welcome to our series, The Power of Love. How many of you had your own bedroom growing up? Like you didn't have to share it with a sibling. You had your own room. Come on, let me see your hand. You didn't have to share it with nobody. It was all yours, okay? It was all yours. You, you had a place for your clothes. You had a place for, if you're in my generation, Gen X, you had a place for your Star Wars action figures, you know, or maybe you had a place for your Barbie dolls, your gaming, your gaming system. It was all yours, Many of us did. In fact, it looked like the majority of the room. We had our own room. Now, here's what happens. You probably stayed in that same room until you either got married, moved out on your own, or you went to college. Now, unless you got your own place by yourself, for the first time in your life, you ended up having to share a space with somebody. I moved out at 18 years old to go to Bible college at Southwestern in Waxahachie, and I went from having my own room, my own space, to all of a sudden, they threw me into this 12 by 12 room with little to no storage, and, and said, here's your roommate, and now y'all got to do life together. You got to figure this out. And, uh, and so my first roommate was actually my, my childhood friend, my best friend I had growing up. Uh, we attended the same church. We had spent the night at each other's houses and hung out together, gone camping together, gone to youth camp and the youth convention, and we'd stayed in the same rooms and all those kinds of things. However, you can put those same two people and throw them into a tight quarters who have the same classes together, eat lunch together, are hyped up on Mountain Dew together, and go to church together, work together, hang out on the weekend together, and at some point there's going to be a moment of frustration. Am I right? Why? Because I don't care who you are, loving people can be hard at times. Now, my roommate and I, we're still friends. In fact, this year we'll, we'll have been friends for 40 years. Now, I know some of you are shocked by that because you think, one, Pastor, you're not old enough to have a friend that's 40 years old, yeah, for 40 years. And then some of you are shocked because you're thinking somebody would want to be my friend for 40 years. And, uh, but it, it, it's, been a, it's been a great time. I told him, I said, hey, listen, I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, kind of use you as an opener in my, in my sermon this week. And he said, are you going to talk about the time that I shot you in the, uh, with a pellet gun in the rear end? <laughs> And I said, no, but that's a great sermon illustration. So I'm just going to leave you hanging right there because it's coming at some point in time. But loving people can be hard at times. This applies to all relationships, whether it's a spouse, a child, family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, fellow church member, pastor, etc. There are times when we must choose to love in spite of somebody's actions. We've been talking about this idea of love. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 34, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Why? Because your love for one another will prove 
to the world that you are my disciples. There's proof in our love, but there's also power in our love. And I love what he said in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And that's kind of the heart behind this series, The Power of Love. If you've missed the last two weeks, you can go to our website or our uh, link, link tree page, connectedhope.com, and you can, you can actually uh, go and find the YouTube channel, or we actually have a podcast that Pastor Ben updates every week, and you can click on that. You can actually subscribe to that and uh, get the message. So for those weeks that you're not here, uh, you can listen to it, or for those weeks that you just need to hear it again, you know, come on, somebody. Or for those weeks that you fell asleep in church and you missed part of it and you think, I need to go back and, and get that, then you can look that. Earlier in this series, we talked about kind of the definition of what type of love we're talking about. This is not really a romantic type of love, but this is agape. It's the noblest word in the, in the Greek uh, for love. And, and this love keeps on loving when the other person is not responsive, when they're unkind, when they're unlovable, they're unworthy. It's really a conditional love, I'll lo- uh, uh, unconditional love. It's not I'll love you because you're doing these things for me. It's I'll love you even if you don't do anything for me. Agape desires only the good of the person that's being loved. It's a consuming passion for the well-being of others. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and they had had some questions, and they were asking him some things about, about church and how to, how to worship, and he responds to them about spiritual gifts and order in worship, and right in the middle of that is what he, he writes, and he refers to it as a way of life that is best of all, or maybe your translation says the most excellent way, and, and we often call this the love chapter because it, it talks about love. I can speak with tongues of men and angels, but if I don't have love, you know, I'm just a uh, clinging symbol up here and and that kind of thing. But then right in the middle of that, he kind of defines what love is. And we've been breaking this down over the last several weeks. First Corinthians 13, four through seven, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. So we've been looking at each one of those and breaking each one of those down for us over the last couple of weeks. Now, listen, Pastor Ben was already giving me a hard time this morning on our live stream today because he said, Pastor has got a lot of notes this morning. And I'm just going to tell you, fasten up your seatbelt because we're getting, we're getting ready to go real fast. All right, this morning, are y'all ready? Say amen. amen. Love does not rejoice about injustice. The NIV says love does not delight in evil. The ESV says love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul is really, he's scolding the Corinthians because they were boasting about sin in the church. Can you imagine that? They had people sinning and they weren't ashamed of it. They were boasting about it. And in verse 6, he says, you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that the sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? 
He says a little bit goes a long way, right? Now, it, it spreads through the whole batch, and you're boasting about it. He dealt with a similar issue in Romans 1. He, he had given this laundry list of sins, of things that, that were being practiced, and then he makes an interesting note in verse 32. He says, they know God's justice requires that those who did these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. So this was an issue in the early church as people were sinning and the, and the church, the church members, the church family was encouraging it. Not only were they participating, they were encouraging. The NIV uses uh, the word, the, that word encourage is translated as, a, as uh, approve in the NIV. The Fire Bible notes approving and defending ungodliness causes it to multiply in a society much faster than the sinful acts himself. So when the church approves, it causes it to, to spread. The word approve meaning agree with, consent to, or sympathize with, points to the casual enjoyment of the sins of others. It is the highest expression of corruption when sin and sensual behavior become a form of entertainment. Think about this. I didn't write this. Donald Stamps did. But I agree with it. He said, today many experience the great harm a society can suffer when it saturates itself with all kinds of crude and godless examples that fill so many of our venues of entertainment. Movies, books, magazines, theaters, and television. Uh, time out. Let me, let me pause before I go over. Pastor, are you saying that we, we can never turn on our TV? No, this is not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying to you is you need to pray and you need to have enough connection to the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit convicts you about something that you're reading, something that you're watching, something that you're doing, that you stop it right there. That's good pre preaching, Pastor. Donald Stamps, <laughs> he, he goes on, he says, yet many people, young and old, approve of and take pleasure in what will destroy them in the end. Even Christians can find themselves drawn into this hopeless path using any number of misguided excuses. They may call it harmless fun, a means of socializing, an experience that teaches reality or helps them to relate to the culture. But being entertained by watching other people sin and engage in ungodly actions, even though you yourself do not participate, does not please God any more than those who are sinning directly. So I remember as a youth pastor, I was reading uh, a magazine or something, uh, this is a Christian magazine, and it made this statement in it. It said, if you would not have your, your next door neighbor come over and do what you're watching on TV in front of you, then maybe you shouldn't be watching it. I said that to one of our girls. The other day, we were talking, I said, and I used that statement, and I said, if we wouldn't have our neighbors, and I called our neighbors by name, and said, I'm not going to do that since I'm, I'm here, but we got some great neighbors. If you would not have them come over to your house and do it, then we don't need to be watching it. Can I get a good amen on that? Why? Because love only rejoices, write this down, whenever truth wins out. 
Love takes no joy in any kind of evil. Rather, it rejoices with the truth. Love shares truth's joy. It cannot rejoice when the truth is denied. One of the problems I see the modern church is we are quick to water down our beliefs in the name of love. We hold a certain belief from Scripture But someone we care, here's what happens. Someone we care deeply about begins engaging in what we believe to be a sin. And all of a sudden, we change our belief and our perspective about it. Oh, y'all are quiet this morning. That's what happens. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen pastors walk away from ministry because they water down the truth so much, all in the name of loving a child, or all in the name of loving a, a, a spouse, all in the name of loving a, a friend. And they're saying, well, I'm just, I'm doing the loving thing. Yes, but you're, you're doing the loving things with the world's idea of what love is. Love rejoices when the truth wins out. Truth is truth. It's still the truth. If it was the truth 2,000 years ago when the Bible was written, it's still the truth today. Truth is true. Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Truth, and what did he say about truth? He said, truth is going to set you free. Truth is often connected with the heart of Christianity. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Love rejoices in the truth of God and the truth of the gospel. In 2 John, when John was writing in verse 4, he said, how happy I was to meet some of your children and find them living according to the truth. Just as the Father commanded Third John, verse three and four, he said something again. He says, some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. So what is he doing? He says, I'm rejoicing in the truth. Catching somebody do something right. Catching them doing something right and loving them and living, watching them live according to the truth. He said in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. The most loving thing a person can do is speak the truth in love. I'm not talking about, listen, I'm not talking about beating somebody up over the head with that. But I'm talking about not watering it down and looking at them. You may be crying and weeping and saying, listen, I know you feel like you're doing what's right and I love you and I care deeply about you, but I wouldn't be loving if I didn't tell you that what you're doing right now is contrary to the word of God. Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. Love never gives up. Write that down this morning. Love never gives up. One translation, the English Standard Version, says love bears all things. And then NIV, it says love protects. The verb stego there that's used basically means cover. This leads to hide by covering or ward off by covering and thus endure. By using this word stego, bear, if you will, the Apostle Paul is giving a powerful illustration. There are many different seasons to life and not all seasons are enjoyable. Amen? 
Not all seasons are jubble. There, there's hardships and there's, there's times of, of suffering and then there's times of celebration. But some of the storms of life are difficult and some of those seasons are very stormy and difficult. And there are moments when external circumstances just kind of come against us and bombard us. If we have no shield to guard us during these stormy times, it becomes much more difficult for us to survive spiritually. Paul lets us know that agape, agape love serves as a protection for us. Like the roof of a house, a friend who moves in the agape love of God will stay near in times of trouble. Oh, come on, you know those people in your life that when all junk is breaking and you're loose in your life, you know that there's that one person or that one friend or that one family member who's going to be there with you. That friend will hover over you to protect you from the storms of life rather than expose you and your flaws to the view of other people. A person who operates in this kind of love will conceal, cover, and protect you. For real agape love is always there in times of trouble to lend support. It's that person who shows up when everything is going wrong. It's that family member who you know is just one phone call away. Proverbs 18.24 says it like this. There are friends who destroy each other. But a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And there are people like that in your life. Love never gives up, but love never loses faith. Never loses faith. This means that both that love never loses faith and that it is willing to think the best of other people. What's your, what's your natural been? When you hear bad, something bad about a friend, or if you hear something bad about a family, do, are you quick to believe it? Are you quick to say, hang on a second, I'm going to make sure I have all the facts first. Love never loses faith. It does not mean that believers must be gullible, okay? We're not talking about just trusting everything, everything and everyone blindly. Instead, it means that they're, we're willing to think the best as opposed to the worst of others. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. With real love, believers can deal with conflict lovingly. When everyone willingly thinks the best of everyone else, people are free to be honest and open. Come on, you know how you do sometimes. Now listen, let me say this. You know how I do sometimes. When you're having a conflict, what do you automatically do? Go to the worst case scenario. The next thing you know, you've lost every relationship, you've lost your home, you lost this, all because your boss is mad at you. <laughs> or you didn't do something, you turned something in late, and you just go through this process. Listen, if you really truly love somebody, you won't lose faith in the relationship. You think the best, not the worst. The next thing it says is love is always hopeful. Believers who love look forward, not backward. They seek for growth and maturity in the church, knowing that God is working in every per person. 
That's why one of our values as a church is to grow in community. Man, I, I loved hearing the report from Nancy's group on, on Wednesday morning and the report from the ladies' group. And then I got to be a part of the community group that Jeremiah is leading. And we're, we're studying the book of James. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And, and, uh, and just some of the things that were coming alive in that. And to be there with a, a group of brothers was something powerful in that moment. There's something that's awesome about when we connect with one another and we're reading and we're studying and we're growing together. We know that failure is not the end. We know that failure is not the end, that we trust God and his promises, and so we're there together, we're growing together. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of, of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So when bad things happen, God can use that moment to shape you. God can use the difficult times of your life and the seasons of your life to, to knock off some of the rough edges in your life. God can use those things in your life. I was with some people this week and we were talking because it, it, was, it was about, you know, I, you know, I've got two girls, right? And I, I said, I made this statement, I think God knew that I needed girls, because he knew, he knew that I needed girls in my life that were going to soften me, that were going to help me, that were going to shape me and mold me. He was going to knock some of the rough edges off my life. And I'm grateful that God gave me girls. I'm proud to be a girl dad. I love it. I, I, I think it's awesome and wonderful. And I'm telling you, but sometimes, y'all, it, it, it's trying. And God just uses that. And he works that out in my life. Love is always hopeful. Love endures, write this down, through every circumstances. Believers who love are active and steadfast in their faith. They hold on no matter what the difficulties are that they're facing. I want to make this statement this morning to you that hardship and pain do not stop love. When believers persevere, they face suffering within the body. They face persecution. They hang on when the going gets tough. They strive to save their marriages despite disappointment, to continue to trust God despite setbacks, and to continue to serve God despite fear or sorrow. When believers truly persevere, nothing can stop them. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5 I love this scripture because it's one that I often use because there's so many just great things about this. It's talking about how we can rejoice. It says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they will help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given the Holy, Spirit's, the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. I want you to understand something, guys, this morning, is that I can't love on my own. My love is limited on my own. I need the Holy Spirit in my life to fill my heart with his love. Throughout this series, we showed how Paul has defined love. And it's very similar to the way he described the fruit of the Spirit. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Man, if you went and you kind of took Galatians 5 and you put it up against 1 Corinthians 13, you'd begin to see some parallels there, right? You begin to see love. The whole idea is love, and the first thing is love. The, the second thing is joy, and it talks about how we're, we're to rejoice in the truth, so there's joy in that. Then there's talking about patience and how love is patience, and so there, 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 is, there is a parallel there, kindness. Love is not rude, and so there's a, a thing there, goodness, faithfulness. You know, love is always hopeful. Love never loses faith, gentleness, self-control. Love does not demand its own way. Love keeps no record of wrongs. There's parallels there that you can see that. We need the Holy Spirit in our life to fill our heart with his love so that we can love others. So that Jesus' words would be about us. That the proof of our love for one another is in the proof in our discipleship is in our love for one another. As I studied for this series, I found this interesting thing in, in the Dake Annotated Reference Bible. Finest Dake was a uh, man actually pastored at Oak Cliff Assembly of God for a time, and he, he wrote the, the study notes in this Bible, and, and man, I thought this was so good. And so I wanted to share as kind of we wrap the series up this morning. It's called Nine Ingredients of Divine Love. The first one is this, Patience. He says, love is, this is love passive. No hurry, suffers long, it bears, it believes, it hopes, it endures all things. The second ingredient would be kindness. That's love in action. Never acts rashly, not inconsistent, not puffed up, not proud. Another ingredient would be generosity. This is love in competition. It means we're not envious or jealous of one another. First, uh, number four is humility. This is love and hiding, meaning there's no parade, there's no airs. Number five, it's courtesy. This is love in society, does not behave unseemly, always polite, at home with all classes, never rude. Or discourteous. Number six is unselfishness. This is love in essence. It's never selfish, sour, or, or bitter. It seeks only good of others, does not retaliate or seek revenge. Number seven, this is, this is good temper. This is love and disposition. It's never irritated, never resentful. Number eight is righteousness. This is love and conduct. It's how we act. It hates sin, never glad when others go wrong, always gladdened by goodness to others, always slow to expose, always eager to believe the best, always hopeful, always enduring. Number nine is sincerity. This is love and profession. Never boastful or conceited. Not a hypocrite, always honesty, honest, Leaves no impression, but what is 
strictly true, never self-asserted, does not blaze out in passionate anger, nor brood over wrongs, always just, joyful, and truthful. Knows how to be silent, full of trust, always present. So church family, if I could just say to you this morning, if you didn't hear anything the rest of this entire season, if you could just look at the nine ingredients of divine love and say, am I patient? Am I kind? Am I generous? Am I humble? Am I courteous? Am I selfish? Do I have a good temper? Am I practicing righteousness? Am I sincere? And if you just took those things, those ingredients, and you realize, I'm not doing so well in this area, so maybe I need to practice that a little bit more. So you take that ingredient and you just sprinkle it onto your life. I'm, I'm not doing well in this area. I'm, I'm, I'm patient in a lot of times, but sometimes I, I can kind of be selfish, and so I need to work on unselfishness. Or maybe... You don't have a problem with humility, but you have a problem being kind sometimes. To begin to work in those lives and allow God to work on you in those areas in your life to let the nine ingredients of divine love be a part of who you are. That's the power of love. The power of love. It can change relationships and it can change you. Power of agape love can change relationships and it can change you. So if you're struggling in a relationship, let me let me give you my I'm not, I don't feel like for me personally that I'm a great counselor. Um, I can do it. That's not one of my strengths. So when somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, I need your help. My wife, my, my husband, my, my friend, they're doing this, this, and this, and that. And, you know, they want me to hear the venting session. And, and I, let them, I let them get it out. And then I say this. Let's just assume that they're the worst person in the world. Let's just assume that. Now, immediately, most people will go, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a second. I'm not saying they're the worst person in the world. Well, I mean, it sounded like it when you just came in here and, and said all that about them. The he said and she said and they said and me said and all that stuff. Let's just assume it for a second. What do you need to work on in your life? Because no matter how much I talk to this person, it's never gonna change that person over here unless God does a work in them. I can, I can say this, but what I can tell you this is if you'll start loving like you're supposed to love, then there's something that shifts. There's something that happens and shifts in a person's life when you begin to treat your coworker the way you wanna be treated. When you begin to love your, your family member, your spouse, the way you wanna be loved. When you're patient with them, oh, come on, when they're EGRs, extra grace required, and you're like, oh, Jesus, please help me. Take the wheel, Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. I can't get there on my own. Carrie was right, God. I can't do it. You're going to have to help me because the spirit of slap wants to come on right now. You know what I'm talking about? 
Y'all don't judge me. But when you begin to truly love them, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my life where people who I thought were my enemy become my close friend. When people who were against me became for me. When people who, 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 who I looked and I viewed a certain way, all of a sudden I began to see them in a different way. Why? It wasn't them, it was me. And God wants to work on you. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The God saying, listen, I'm gonna give that to you in your life, but you have to ask him for it. You have to ask him for it. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. I pray this morning for this congregation that you would, you would, you would just open up our hearts and minds today to receive everything you have for us. This morning, church family, we're gonna receive communion. If you did not get one of these elements when you came in this morning, our ushers will put one in your hand. If you need one, would you slip your hand up today? make sure that you get one. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says this. So if anyone eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread or drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Psalm 139, the psalmist writes this. He says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Here's what I want us to do this morning as we receive communion. I just gave you the nine ingredients of divine love. That kind of summarized a little bit the entire series. But before we receive communion this morning, I want you to search your heart. Chris is gonna sing this song this morning, The Waymaker that we sang earlier. And as, as she sings it this morning, I want you to take a moment. I want you to say, God, would you search me? Would you know my heart? God, if there's any one of those ingredients, those nine ingredients, would you show me what I need to work on today? And if you need to repent, repent. Do it in that moment. I want to pray, and then she's going to sing. Father, I pray right now that those that are online this morning, those that are in the room today, God, we ask you to search our heart, to know our thoughts. God, I pray right now, if we've not been loving, if we've not been caring, if we've not shown any of the or all of the ingredients of divine love, even if we're only missing one, God, would you just drop that in our spirit today? Would you speak to us this morning? I pray right now that you would reveal that to every person across the room today. And as Carissa begins to sing in a moment, God, would you allow this time to work and shape and mold us in Jesus' name.
Corinthians 11:23. for this is what the Lord himself said. And I pass it on to you just as I received it on the night when he was betrayed. The Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it. Would you just take that wafer in your hand right now? And would you break it there as a symbol of Jesus's broken body? And he said, this is my body, which was given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, I think of Isaiah chapter 53, which says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. Come on church, we believe in divine healing. We believe that God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. So I wanna pray for you today. If you're online today and you need prayer, would you just put a comment there and we're gonna pray for you as well. But if you're in the room today and you say, Pastor, I need healing. I want you to slip up your hand right now across this room this morning. I need healing in my body today. Come on, I know there's some of you that are dealing with different things this morning. I need healing in my body today. Father, we pray today, God, we know it's by your stripes these folks are healed today. Those that are in the room and online today, I speak to their bodies and I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Cancer be gone in Jesus' name. Back pain be gone in Jesus' name. Sickness be gone in Jesus' name. Disease be gone in Jesus' name. And I claim that right now, your promise, that by your stripes, we are healed in Jesus' name. Come on, can you just thank you for the bread this morning. Father, we thank you for the healing power this morning. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, you may receive the bread today. Verse 25. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Come on, would you hold that cup up today? And would you just join me in thanking God for his blood? God, your word declares, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And we believe that today and we trust your promises in your word that says that you gave your only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You took our sin and cast it as far away as the east is from the west. God, you, you sacrificed your son by the blood of the lamb. We can overcome. And I pray today, Lord, that we would never lose sight of that sacrifice. And I pray right now, Lord, that as we receive this today, God, that we would have a new, a new appreciation for that moment in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen come on let's receive the cup today sing us way maker miracle worker promise keeper come on church worship him that is who you are way maker Promise keeper, that in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Oh, way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you
Father, we, this morning, we just thank you for your shed blood. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. God, we receive this not out of ritual, but we receive this out of remembrance today. That we don't forget what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus, and God's people said, amen. Amen. March is coming up. It's hard to believe that this is the last Sunday in February. It just seems like this year is flying past. I want to let you know, Easter Sunday is early this year. It's actually the last Sunday in March. So we're just a few weeks away from being able to celebrate Easter together. Next Sunday, we're kicking off a series of talks called Step Out. And I'm excited about what God is going to do next week. I'll be speaking on stepping out and giving hope next week. And it's just going to be a great time together as we challenge you uh, for, for this year. And then, and then in the coming weeks, we're going to be giving you invite cards for Easter. We're going to have our social uh, media uh, campaigns and all those kinds of things going, getting us ready. Uh, on, I believe it's March the 23rd, we're going to go to... Um, going again to Journey Road and ministering to the foster families in our area. We got the inflatables. We're working together with Hope Family Fellowship in Winsboro to, to uh, accomplish this. And listen, I want a big crowd out there. Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, it takes a few of us to put the inflatables together. But man, you if you say, man, I can't physically do that. If you can come and just talk to people, if you can come and just encourage them, if you can come and do anything like that, that's going to be something that's coming up as a way to reach out from this community. And then we got Palm Sunday coming up after that. And then Easter, it's just going to be a great March. We got a lot of good things happening. Ladies going this Saturday to the Bloom Ladies Conference. It's going to be great. We, we are sold out on that. Uh, district is sold out. We can't take any more registration. So if you didn't get it in this time, I'm sorry. But next time we'll be, you know, you'll get it in early, I guess. Uh, that, that's a motivation there. But we're excited about what God is doing in the month of March. Of course, our community groups, a lot of good things that are happening. I want to pray a prayer blessing over you today as you're dismissed uh, this morning. Uh, may God bless you and keep you. Amen. Father, I thank you for this church family. Those that are in the room, those that are online today, I pray God that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them, that you would be gracious to them, and that you would give them peace. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. God bless you, church.